Let's open the Word of God to Luke chapter 12. where we begin reading at verse 54 to 13, verse 5, and our text goes on to verse 9 of chapter 13. Luke 12 where we'll begin reading at verse 54. Then he, Jesus, also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to set, settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, the, I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last might. There were, there were present at that, time, that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then the following verses then are the text for the sermon this morning. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. So far, the text too. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, every day you read in the newspaper or hear on the news about disasters or wars or accidents or crime, people losing their lives. And then people generally want to know about how and why and so on. If it happens a lot, then they want some kind of big investigation. 
Well, some people once came to Jesus and told him about some bad news, too. About the recent deaths of people around Jerusalem, it seems that some Galileans had come to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. Maybe they wanted to take over the temple for their own selves, for their own ideas. And it seems that, that the Roman authorities had killed some of them along with their sacrificial animals. Pilate had mixed the blood of those people with the blood of the animals they had come to sacrifice. Well, what would Jesus say about that? What, what would his commentary be about the, the deaths of those people? But then in his reply, the Lord Jesus mentioned another sad incident that had also occurred not long before and was still front page news apparently at the time. Eighteen Jews had been killed when the Tower of Siloam had suddenly collapsed on them, maybe in constru under construction. And then the Lord Jesus posed the question which he knew lived in their hearts. Why did, why did those people die so tragically while others could simply continue to live on and work and enjoy life? Were those people who died in, in that sad event in the temple or in that big accident there in Jerusalem, were they worse sinners than others? Is that why they died, those tragic deaths? A person who died tragically, a lot of people thought, must have been guilty of some extra serious sins. They tried to figure out why those people in particular died so, so that way, and that's something people tend to ask today too when they hear about senseless killings or tragic deaths in the news, why? Why were those people killed? Why were, were the people who died being punished in some way by God for some past sins? Was it some kind of karma? Well, the Lord Jesus says very emphatically, that's the wrong question to ask yourself and to be busy with. Why this person is taken and another is not is something that belongs to God's secret counsel. He has his reasons and we have to leave that up to him. So the Lord Jesus turns the whole issue around. Rather, questioning why others are tragically killed or die those terrible deaths because of accidents or disasters, he says, we need to ask ourselves, why am I alive yet? Why does God allow me to live yet at this time? Because he could take me away at any time too. Why am I here? And that's, that's the biggest issue of all. That's the question the Lord Jesus focuses the attention on in our text with the parable of the fig tree. And I preach to you the Lord's answer to that question in our text with this theme, Jesus' exhortation to a life of repentance. And you'll notice that it's in the context of repentance. Two parts to the sermon. God seeks the fruit of repentance, and secondly, God gives the time to bear that fruit. So first of all, God seeks the fruit of repentance. Congregation, Jesus wonderfully illustrated what he wanted to say with a parable. There was a certain man. That man, we could say in that parable, represents God the owner of the vineyard, God the Father, 
And that man had a fig tree planted in that vineyard. The vineyard represented Israel in those days. You could see it with a covenant people, often called the vineyard of the Lord God. We sang about that in Psalm 80. Today, we could say the church of God. And that fig, that fig tree is every member, actually. You and I. And that fig tree was planted in that man's vineyard. That happened more often in those days. Fig trees can grow in tough and dry conditions, but sometimes a fig tree was planted in a vineyard. Grapevines needed better soil and should, would be watered and when it was extra dry. So a fig tree would do well among the vines. Here and there, they could grow a fig tree and harvest some figs for personal use. And it would be more protected. A fig tree in a vineyard would be more protected among, from the dry winds that blow there among the vines. So it could be expected that that fig tree would grow faster and be extra fruitful. So there you had that fig tree in that vineyard planted in a great spot, given special attention and care. That could actually be said of every covenant child here, child of God. Then but also today. We've been planted with care by God in his vineyard. Not just a twig stuck in the ground at random. No, God deliberately chose a place for you and me to be born and to grow. We are living in the time and place God chose for us. Planted in good soil, hemmed in, cared for in his vineyard, some later on as, as young trees already transplanted, but many of us as little tiny shoots born and raised in a Christian family, but all planted by God's grace in his vineyard in his church and cared for by God via family and church, watered and fertilized for growth with the gospel in Sunday worship, home visitation, family, in the family, at home, the devotions, in the Christian school, catechism, Bible study groups. How often haven't our souls been watered and fertilized by the gospel over the years? How many times at home, church, or school, hasn't the Bible been read and haven't we heard the prayers offered up to God for His grace and for His Holy Spirit? Thousands of times a year, probably, or thousands of times in a lifetime. How wonderful that God has chosen such a place for us to be planted. Fed, watered, fertilized, and protected among all the others in the church here. So many other fig trees just stand open and unprotected in the bare hills. Not in a vineyard, in a covenant family or covenant congregation, and they never or seldom hear the Bible read or prayers offered up. They stand in barren, dry soil. And then you know, you understand why they are not going to produce much or any fruit. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, why am I? Why are you planted in a vineyard while others are not? Or why have some ended up being transplanted here and others not? I don't know. Only God knows. And he has his good reasons. He could have let us be born in the middle of India in a Hindu family and culture or so, or among people in Canada who know little to nothing 
about the Bible or who think it's just a book of old fairy tales. God didn't do that. Of all people, he carefully planted you, brought you and me into this vineyard and had the gospel proclaimed, had the tree fertilized. Well, then he should be able to expect us to grow and produce fruit, right? If you were to plant an apple tree in a perfect spot, for instance, you'd look next year to see if there were any apples on it or after a few years. If you planted strawberries in your garden, you'd expect some fruit, right? The next year. Well, God seeks fruit from us. But in Jesus' parable, the owner of the vineyard doesn't find any fruit at all. And then you need to realize that in the Middle East, a fig tree normally bears fruit twice a year. You had early fruit in the spring and through the summer, and then fruit again in the fall and even into the winter. You could expect to see fruit on a fig tree there in the Middle East maybe 10 months out of the year. But the owner of that vineyard didn't find any fruit for three whole years. Three years. If the Lord God seeks fruit in us, whom he planted in his vineyard, his church, will he find fruit? The fruit of faith and repentance. Those always go together. Faith and repentance. Will he see that we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ? Because that's, that's fruit that comes with daily repentance. Will he discover that the pride and self-righteousness that lives in us by nature is being put to death in us? And that we humbly seek the righteousness of Christ more and more in our lives? That we hate and flee sin and love and delight in God's will and word? That the, that the fruit of the Spirit, you, you have that list in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Will he see that those fruits are more and more becoming part and parcel of our characters? God seeks the fruit of repentance in the parable, but finds none. Over three years, he finds nothing. Maybe Jesus had in mind here the time of his ministry, the three years he ministered in Israel, proclaiming the gospel to Israel. But there was little or no real fruit for God. The leaders in particular did not bow to him. So, and there were leaves, lots of leaves, but there was no fruit. What about us? Maybe lots of leaves, you do all the expected things in church and life, but is there really the fruit of heartfelt repentance? Is there a change of heart happening all the time? Sorrow for sin, and then also some of the fruit of Galatians 5 growing. Maybe small yet, but at least fruit. If you planted an apple or a pear tree in your garden and you didn't find any fruit after so long, what would you say? I'm going to cut it down. I'm going to plant another one. It's just using up space in the garden. It doesn't produce anything. 
So what could be more logical than just for God to say, take that tree, remove that covenant child from my vineyard. They're not bearing any fruit anyway. Just taking up room in my covenant vineyard. God has every right, doesn't he? If there's no fruit of faith and repentance growing in your life, maybe we think, I'll break with that sin later on. But not now. I'll change the way I act maybe later. My short temper, I'll get rid of that later. But I'm too busy now. I don't want to stick out among my friends, my coworkers. They say, oh, what happened to you? All pious now. So now is not the time. And besides, God should give me time yet, right? He should give me time. I haven't had the best circumstances in my life. I had a lot of difficulties and disadvantages to deal with in my life. Maybe later, maybe later. Oh, the, the vineyard keeper, the owner of the vineyard, our God, he's so patient. And that's very clear from Jesus' parable. When the owner of the vineyard waits for years to give that fig tree opportunity to bear fruit, he's so long-suffering, eh? that's that word, long-suffering, patient. He plants it in his vineyard in good soil. Is it watered and fertilized? And he's willing to wait years so that it has ample time to bear fruit. So he's not unreasonable. He's not unreasonable when he seeks the fruit he has a right to in our lives. The question the Lord Jesus wants us to ask ourselves today in the light of the tragic deaths we read about or hear about in the news, all the wars and so on going on, is not why those deaths Why am I alive? What about me? What about my life? Does my life bear fruit for God? That's the key question you have to ask in your life. That's what life, your life and my life is about. In Christ, I should bring forth fruit. It's not about being successful or rich this life. Or be, even being happy. No, God gives us life today yet so that we can bear fruit for him to his glory like that fig tree in a vineyard. We come to the second part of the sermon. God gives us time to bear that fruit. Why, why doesn't he end things right away if he sees there's no fruit? Why not just root it up and throw it aside well, because there's somebody else in this parable, and that is the keeper of the vineyard. The keeper of the vineyard. He's apparently the person who works for and uh, who works in and cares for the vineyard. And I don't think we go far wrong if we say this this person represents the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He intercedes for that fig tree. He was born man. He walked with us here. He knows the temptations we face. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's why he's such a wonderful high priest for us to have before God, interceding for us. Hebrews 4, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect is tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
He intercedes for us before God's throne. That's why we're still here. He places himself between Almighty God and us and asks for more time for us. More time. Just give them more time, Lord, to bear fruit. The fruit of faith and repentance. The vine dresser in the parable says, Sir, give it more time. Let me dig around it. Loosen the soil. Let me put some fertilizer around it. Think again of the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Time for the people who had heard his gospel to believe and repent yet. That they would know about his crucifixion and death and resurrection and yet come to insight afterwards through the preaching of his gospel. And that's what he means with that digging around the fruit tree and so that the water reaches the roots and fertilizing it. He asked the Father to give time and he yearns for that tree to bear fruit. That's his desire, his wish, that sinners repent and live. The desire to save overcomes the right to destroy, you could say. Congregation, just think. This is why you and I are still sitting here breathing and alive today. God's justice is restrained by his mercy in Christ, by Christ's intercession for each one of us. Give them time, Lord. That's why we're still alive today. See, we shouldn't think that because we're alive and can enjoy life here means that all things are good and fine between God and us either. No, that we're alive and at this moment is just because Jesus bore the burden of God's wrath against our sins on the cross. The tree that bore only perfect fruit was cut down and thrown into the fire, the hellish fire. And he rose from the dead and now intercedes at God's right hand. Father, give them time to hear and to see and to grow and to bear fruit. Let them hear the gospel yet. So by his intercession, Jesus holds back also today God's righteous judgment against all our sins so that we have time yet to bear fruit befitting repentance. He has no pleasure in the death of a sinner, but that he turns to him and lives. Congregation, if you think that through, will that not bring you to flee to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance, humble repentance, every day again? Lord, another day for me. And I sinned again today, and yet I'm here. And every time you open the Bible, every time you hear the gospel here in church, he's calling you. Let go of those sins of yours. See them. Come to me with them. With one hand, he holds back God's justice, and with the other, he, he calls us to come. Beckons us to come to him in faith and humble repentance. And if you see it like that, that should make you incredibly humble and grateful every time again, every day again, shouldn't it? Lord, what a wonder that I'm still here and that I'm still given time 
to produce fruit befitting repentance to your glory. That you haven't gotten tired of me and my sins and sinfulness and cut me down and thrown me in the fire, but that you carried me all the years of my life and gave me the time and the gospel that I needed so that I could grow and produce the fruit of faith and repentance. Maybe there was a time when, you, when there was very little or no fruit of faith and repentance in your life at all. What a wonder that the Lord Jesus said to God the Father, just wait, give that person another year. Give him some time or her. And see, that's what the vine dresser pray, prays to the owner of the vineyard. He asks for time. Time to dig and loosen the soil. Jesus digs up the soil of your life like that. He does that by chastising you. By testing you too. When things are being overturned in your life. When the ground under your life is dug up and shaken. And you see, and then, then the water of the, the gospel has opportunity to sink in deeper. And has deeper meaning for you. You become more sensitive to the truth of the gospel. The more dependent on Christ when you struggle with things too. More thoughtful rather than just living for the moment, for the day. And then the vine dresser is busy letting the word sink in more and more. And he waters and he fertilizes and you listen more closely to the preaching of the word. It can seem as if parts of the sermon are directed to you personally. Or the words of the Bible, meditation, you're reading exactly apply to you for your situation. And you see, then, then the, the worker in that, that worker in the, the vineyard, the vine dresser, is at work, brothers and sisters. The spirit of Jesus as it works so that you can bring forth more fruit. More and more. Seek your life outside of yourself in Jesus Christ, in Him, and in following Him. So that you live in heartfelt faith and humble repentance more and more. And it's your Savior who's patiently and graciously at work in you then, so you continue to grow while you have the time, and that you don't waste the time He gives. So that you may not be cut down and cast aside, but even transplanted into heaven. Transplanted into heaven, that fig tree, eh? Transplanted to bear perfect fruit to God's glory forever. But, congregation, if in spite of the work of the, the vine dresser, there is still no fruit, the owner's patience will certainly come to an end in time, and then he'll tell the vine dresser, cut it down. And no one will be able to say then that he's too harsh or unjust. No, then the time was wasted and misused. And that time will not come back. It's gone. And in hell there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal regret. 
We mentioned that that worker in the vineyard, the vine dresser, looks like Jesus. Well, a man like that in Jesus' time had people working for him too, under him. And we can think then of the Lord's servants around us, office bearers who the vine dresser has appointed to help him take care of his vineyard and trees. We have election of office bearers later on today. And you can also think of parents, teachers. They're also servants in God's vineyard. And in a way, we're all actually servants in God's vineyard, aren't we? All of us are called to help and encourage and also admonish each other with the word so that the master of the vineyard might find fruit in your life. And every servant is then called to be like the great servant of God, Jesus, in another way too. And that's in respect to making intercession for each other. Think of Job, who according to Job 1, regularly prayed for his children because, as he said, it may be that my children have forsaken God in their hearts. Think about that. And if you, as a servant in God's vineyard, notice a fig tree doesn't seem to be flourishing much or growing any fruit, then like the chief vine dresser, you make intercession for that person in the vineyard. You pray for time for them and for the Holy Spirit to work in them, the Spirit of Christ. And then you, in a spirit of gentleness, reach out to encourage, edify if necessary, admonish to call back. In the words of the Lord Jesus, blessed is that servant whom his master finds so doing, being busy with that kind of thing when he comes praying and working so that all may be fruitful for God in that vineyard. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's the Lord Jesus' lesson in reaction to the news about those Galileans who were horribly killed by Pilate and those people who tragically died because of the collapse of that tower of Siloam. He wanted his disciples to understand that those happening, what those happenings were actually about so that they would ask themselves the right question, not why did those people die, but why am I still alive? Am I planted in God's vineyard by grace, using the opportunity today to produce the fruit of heartfelt faith and daily repentance to God's glory? And then we need to use the time, too, given to us through the intercession of Christ to let His Spirit and Word work in us, fertilize our life so that we bear fruit to God's glory. And therefore, the time to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, is now. You have the time now to do that. The time to give up that sinful habit we know we need to give up that's now. The time to produce the fruit of love and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Congregation, the time is now. Amen.